Next Sunday, we're going to uh, try and lay out for you the doctrine as it relates to speaking in tongues. Now, if you've been saved for any length of time, then you know that that becomes a very controversial issue and one that the church world is, uh, has a great deal of confusion over. I'm not confused about it. Amen. I like to talk in tongues. But the church world uh, does experience this due to centuries of, uh, of misunderstanding and misinterpretation of Scripture. And so you and I will seek to see what the Bible says about that. Now this uh, particular uh, Sunday uh, and this particular session I, uh, is not the more critical of the two, but it, it will lay some groundwork that will be important uh, for you to understand. What I'm really concerned about is that you be here next week as next week we will do an exposition, an interpretation of 1 Corinthians 14. We'll go through the entire uh, passage and uh, go over every verse and we won't try and skip over anything that might make us nervous. Uh, and if you've ever been befuddled by 1 Corinthians 14 in the past, then you need to be here and uh, settle once and for all the issue uh, as it relates to tongues in the assembly, okay? We won't be dealing with that too much this morning. Uh, we're dealing mostly with tongues as it relates to the initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so that will be our thrust this week, and there is controversy about that, and so this will be helpful for us but largely the confusion lies in the misinterpretation of 1 Corinthians 14. And I believe that what we'll do next week will be tremendously satisfying to you and that you will see it uh, as it really is. And so you might want to read 1 Corinthians 14 Saturday night before you go to bed. Amen. And uh, when you come in the morning fresh with any questions that you might have, and we'll seek to answer those. Okay, this, this morning we're going to deal basically with a doctrine of tongues as it relates to the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and uh, we're going to say a little bit about the baptism in the Holy Spirit itself just to lay some foundation, but uh, basically we're going to deal with two particular uh, questions. And so before we begin, because uh, we're going to need to look at many scriptures over and over again. I uh, need someone that will uh, keep their finger. They'll be responsible for Acts chapter 2. Have somebody that'll be responsible. Ron Stewart. Somebody for Acts chapter 8. Uh, Brother Mike, Acts chapter uh, 9. Okay. Mick, Acts chapter 10. Ken, and Acts chapter 19. Dennis. So these will be our men who will read these for us because we'll have to <coughs> refer uh, back. So first of all, we want to look at uh, the question that is uh, on many minds, and I, I hope you can see this. It's not the bad. Can you read that? Is the baptism in the Holy Spirit a separate experience from salvation? Okay, before we begin to talk about uh, uh, the uh, speaking in tongues as it relates to the baptism of the Holy Spirit that many people uh, have the misunderstanding that they're baptized in the Holy Spirit when they're saved, okay? And uh, you don't speak in, the speak in tongues necessarily when you first get saved and there are some people that believe unless you speak in tongues, you are not saved. And so there's the, the two uh, extremes, but we need to set right down upon what the Bible declares and that the baptism in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Ghost, is a separate experience from salvation. Okay, let's uh, look at these. I need somebody that will uh, find for me uh, Matthew 16, 16, Dave, uh, Bob Kimball, Acts chapter 1, verses 4, 5, 8, and uh, then someone will read for us Acts chapter 2 verse 4. Okay, 
Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, nice and loud. Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Okay, uh, this is just a, a typical statement, but this is Peter making a confession of faith. Peter didn't get saved on the day of Pentecost, okay? Peter and the other apostles, uh, what are some evidence that the, you believe the apostles might have been saved before the day of Pentecost? Anybody? Brother? Okay, cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead. Tough to do unless you're saved. Amen. <laughs> other things? Okay, excellent. Salvation had come to Zacchaeus, okay? So people were able to be saved before the, the day of Pentecost. Good. Other thoughts? Okay. Praise the Lord. All right. Other things that, that relate specifically to the apostles or the disciples. Okay. Tremendous. All right. And so uh, here we have evidence that tells us that these men were saved before the day of Pentecost. Now, it seems like it's ludicrous that we should even bring that up because uh, we understand that, but uh, there are those who would want to uh, disagree there. But these men are genuinely and definitely saved. Now, uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 4, 5, 8, and 2, 4. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, how many days hence? But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and after the uttermost part of the earth. Two four. Go ahead. Yes. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them up. Okay, so here we have these men that were saved. All right, they were followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet they had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They had not had that experience yet, that that experience was a second experience to their salvation, okay? Now, uh, some would say, well, this is before the cross and after the cross, and we could deal with all of that, but we don't need to because we can simply move on. Uh, and if somebody would read Acts chapter 8, verses 12 and 13, and then verses 15 through 17, okay? This is totally after the cross, totally after the ascension, all right? In, uh, you know, just in our, as much of what needs to happen in, the, in uh, the kingdom of God is happening right now, is happening right then. Okay, uh, Acts chapter 8. Is that you? But when they believed, Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, and men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Yeah. Who, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then he laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Okay, so here you have people. They believed. They received the Word of God. Simon believed also, and they were all baptized. Now, nobody, you know, no Bible-believing preacher, apostle, pastor, anyone is going to baptize anybody before they're saved. Is that right? I mean, the best Baptist in town won't baptize somebody before they're saved. Now, these men experienced baptism, they, they received the Lord, they were baptized, but they did not receive the falling upon of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet fallen upon them, and so here they are saved, baptized, receiving the Word of God. They are born again, and yet they have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so that happens, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Good. Acts chapter 9, verse 4. And verse 17, who has nine? Next. They fell to the earth and 
Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, and said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay, I gave you the wrong verse. Uh, for it probably should be 9-5 when Saul cries out and says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Okay, this is universally understood. The Damascus Road is Paul's conversion experience. All right? There's no question about that in all of Christendom that, that this is the Apostle Paul's salvation experience is on the Damascus Road. When Ananias comes to him, he doesn't come to preach to him the gospel. He calls him what? Brother Saul, okay, this man's now a brother, he's saved, and so he says, I'm, I've come that you get, could receive your sight and be filled, be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You haven't had that experience yet, you're saved, you're my brother now, but there is a second experience that you need to have that is being baptized or being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, uh, Acts chapter 10, 44 through 48. Okay, now let me read Acts chapter 11, verse 15 uh, through 18, all right? Uh, here are people, they obviously respond in faith uh, to the Word of God, and in the situation we don't see the, the uh, differentiation between their salvation, the moment that they're born again, and the moment that they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there is, uh, they are, in, uh, during the course of the, con the preaching, they are saved, and then they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, there would be some that would say, well, that's, uh, uh, that's proof. See, they got filled with the Holy Ghost, and that showed that that, that was them getting saved. But Peter says, uh, and I, as I began to speak, recounting this later, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how uh, that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, uh, for as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Now that's an important consideration because Peter is saying they received the Holy Ghost just like we did, the exact same way. We received it, we believed in the Lord, and then we were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is what happened to us, he says in verse 17, it happened the exact same way to these people. It only happened in a closer proximity of time within the span of one sermon, okay? So that, that's fine, but remember the experience and how Paul himself recounts that. Okay, uh, Acts chapter 19, 1, 2, 5, and 6. <coughs> Okay, um, I left out a verse in that that is a controversial verse that I should stick back in there. That he said, we've only been, Paul says, have you, uh, then unto what were you baptized? And they say, we've only been baptized with John's baptism. Okay, and so the, what people say is, well, these were just disciples of John. They weren't really disciples of Jesus. And so they hadn't really gotten saved yet. And so when they got saved, uh, then, you know, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. But uh, what, uh, what would we see that's wrong with that particular understanding? That uh, when these men were filled with the Holy Spirit, that that's when they got saved. Why is that unacceptable? Okay, all right. 
okay? They had believed. They had believed in Jesus Christ. What happens before they're baptized in the Holy Spirit that proves at whatever t time they, these men were saved? Before they're filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, what proof do we have that they're saved before they ever speak in tongues? Sister Lazar? Okay, but also, Rob? Okay, and so before they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they have had a conversion experience. Now, uh, I believe that they were saved before this time ever came. They were called disciples. In the book of Acts, disciples always refer to the disciples of the Lord Jesus, okay? But even if you say, well, it was only John, well, you just point them right back. But before they were ever, uh, before they received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, they were baptized, they were already saved, and so their baptism of the Holy Spirit was a second experience, okay? Brother Ike? Okay, good. Okay, tremendous. And when in their experience with responding to John's preaching was also a placing of their faith in the Messiah, in the one that, that, that John pointed out to them. Okay, before I open it up for any questions, we need to look at this question. We know that, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second experience to salvation. That is understood by Scripture. We see this all through the book of Acts. You cannot uh, use any dispensational uh, mumbo-jumbo about it. It is absolutely throughout the book of Acts that people were saved, and then they had an experience where they were baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And so then the question arises, if bat the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second experience after salvation, do all believers have the Holy Spirit? If I'm saved, if I've been born again, do I have the Holy Spirit? Or do I not have the Holy Spirit until I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? This is a controversial thing. This is something that, uh, that, uh, that is misunderstood, and so we need to look at um, some verses here. Uh, John chapter 20, verse 22. Somebody. Quick, 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 quick. Morgan, uh, Mike, could you find Romans 8, 9? Uh, someone, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Uh, uh, Brother Norris. Uh, John chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Bill Kimball. Okay? Do all believers have the Holy Spirit? Or is that something that, uh, do we only have the Holy Spirit when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit? Now this is something, if you're talking to uh, uh, someone who doesn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit or says that it uh, has to be the same as uh, salvation, and if you begin to tell them that they do not have the Holy Spirit, no way, shape, form, nothing, then uh, this creates tremendous problems with uh, the rest of, of the Scripture. Okay. The uh, reason that some of that is, is just the... Okay, John chapter 20, verse 22. Okay, now, this is an interesting statement. This is before the day of Pentecost. This is before Jesus ascended into heaven. And he breathes upon the apostles, uh, those that were there, and says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, from that moment on, they had the Holy Ghost. And yet they hadn't been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, there you have to talk to anybody that uh, doesn't believe that there's a second experience. You'll say, well, what is happening here then? Why, then, do, do these people experience the Holy Spirit in John chapter 20, and yet they still haven't received the promise that Jesus gave about their baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2? Okay? 
Romans 8, 9. Okay, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You cannot be saved without having the Holy Spirit. Okay? Let's go on. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. I think I gave you the wrong verse. 12.3 No man... <laughs> okay. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. John chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Okay, now we have to understand these scriptures. Here is Jesus breathing on the disciples before the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they had the Holy Spirit. They already had the Holy Spirit, but they hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. In Romans 8, 9, it says nobody can be saved. You cannot say that you're a Christian unless, you're a whole, unless you have the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. There is no difference, by the way, between the Spirit of Christ and the, and the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. First uh, Corinthians 12, 3, that uh, no ma nobody can say Jesus is Lord except there be a work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And f fourthly, being born again is a work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Being born again is something the Holy Spirit does. It is being born of the Holy Spirit. And so from the moment that you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit. We're not saying to the Baptists or, or anyone that is saying that you do not have the Holy Spirit. But what we are saying is you have not received the second experience that is talked about in the book of Acts, which is being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's important that we understand that distinction. Now, uh, it's, well, I don't, uh, I don't understand that. Uh, what's, what's the difference? We're talking about a baptism. First of all, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a total immersion in the Holy Spirit. Not just a work that is accomplished when we're saved and justified and made right with God, when we're born again of the Spirit of God, but when that Holy Spirit fills us and we're immersed in the Holy Spirit and the influence of the Holy Spirit moves throughout our lives in a dynamic that has not been experienced before. It's also called a filling, where we are permeated and filled totally with the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, someone has said that when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't get any more of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit gets more of you, okay? Now, that's the distinction that we're talking about. Now, do we have any questions on that? Any? Brother. Life. Okay. See, uh, some say, and, uh, and I don't know exactly where I fall on this, but this is when these men experience their full born-again experience, that that could not be given to them in its full expression that you and I enjoy today until Jesus had died on the cross and rose again. 
that they had an experience with God, that they, uh, that they uh, had an, ex- uh, an experience where they were new creatures, but it was fully, fully came to pass at this moment in time. Other questions on this? Dwayne? Okay. I've heard the illustration, too. If we took a tank of oxygen and placed it in this room, that oxygen is in this room. But if we open the valve and let that oxygen out, uh, then it fills this room and baptizes this room. Okay? And so when you're talking to somebody and they're, they're saying, I, I have the Holy Spirit, and they say, uh, they use Acts chapter, uh, I mean, uh, Romans 8 9, they talk about being born again of the Spirit. How can you say, I don't have the Spirit? I know I trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I have the Holy Spirit. Well, that's true. But, don't, uh, but do not make uh, the wrong conclusion that because you have the Holy Spirit, you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, as we saw in our first question, is a second experience to salvation. Okay. Now, is there a, th- these are questions that are, that are going along the same line as I'm speaking. Is there anybody that, that thinks I'm off the wall? Praise the Lord. Well, that's assuring. Okay, the next question we need to deal with is, does every believer need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Okay, is that necessary? Well, there's uh, different ways that we can look at that. What, do I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues uh, to be saved? And our answer to that is, no, I don't need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues to be saved. Do I need to be baptized in water to be saved? Okay, but do I need to be baptized in water? Yes, okay. I don't need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to be saved, but do I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes, amen. Okay. What's that? To to stay saved, amen. Good point. Okay, John chapter 1, 33, 34. Somebody, quickly find that for me, Bob. Uh, Ron Stewart, could you find uh, for me Luke 24, 49? Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Dan Atherton. Acts chapter 2, 38 and 39. Who did I give two to? Ron, oh, I gave you another one. Mike, can you get that? Acts chapter 2, 38 and 39. Okay. So uh, you're talking to somebody and they say, well, no, uh, well, do I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking tongues to be saved? Well, no, you don't. you're already saved as long as you're born again. Well, okay, then I, uh, you know, I don't need that. I'm just, you know, I'm just making heaven. Well, that's not where it's at, okay? There, uh, just because you don't need things to get through the pearly gates, that doesn't mean that they're not necessary, okay? Uh, Acts chapter 1, 33 and 34. Whoa. Go ahead. Did I give that to somebody? Yes. John 1. I'm sorry. And I knew him not, but he had said he was baptized in water. The same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending, remaining on him, the same as he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I saw in their record that this is not God. Okay. Here is the forerunner. Here is the one that is crying out, prepare ye the way of the Lord. This is the one that is introducing the ministry of the Messiah. He is heralding the coming of the Son of God. He is proclaiming what this Son of God is going to do. And what is his declaration that Jesus is going to do? Somebody. Baptize in the Holy Ghost. This isn't just a minor thing that is just for Pentecostal people or just for uh, certain types of emotional type people. This is what Jesus came to do. This is a, yes, his winnowing thing is in his hand and he's going to burn the chaff with unquenchable fire, all of that. But uh, but John's continual declaration is uh, is that he's going to come and baptize people in the Holy Ghost. Now, we cannot say that's a minor issue then. Now, that's something I don't need. That's what Jesus came to do, to baptize people in the Holy Spirit. Okay, Luke 24, 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem, until ye be endued with power from on high. 
Okay, here are men, they spent three years uh, with Jesus Christ. They had the best discipleship anybody ever got. If anybody was going to be just ready to go out on the field and pioneer and just do a wonderful job, it was going to be these men. They had been discipled by the Lord himself. But he says, I don't want you going anywhere until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. No one's going to be launched out of this church that's not baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaks in tongues. That's a prerequisite for ministry. That's a prerequisite uh, for serving God. Acts 1, 4 and 5. Okay, the promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit, okay? You need to repent and believe. You need to then be immersed in water as a declaration of your faith. And then God wants to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. This gift is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off and as many as the Lord our God shall call. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the will of God for every single believer in Jesus Christ. It is the command to every believer in Jesus. It's not the icing on the cake. It is not that uh, which uh, uh, is given to us just uh, for spiritual uh, goosebumps. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is for every single one that God shall call, every single person that is ever gets saved, it's the will of God that they be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? amen? Okay. Are there any questions before we go on on anything? This is dealing with a, our first question. Any question or comment on anything we've said? Dan? Okay, tremendous. But there was an experience there. Yes, it could be, yes. All right, good. Okay, critical understanding. Good. I believe it's the Holy Ghost that identifies the Four Square Church. Why, when you start talking to somebody, they'll look at you and go, you're from the Four Square Church. You know, and why they... Uh huh. Praise the Lord, Brother Wayne. Okay, I believe so. There is the initial entrance into a spirit-filled life. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is our entrance into a life where we now have the possibility to be filled, to have fillings of the Holy Spirit, to have anointings of the Holy Spirit, to ha have those experiences. But apart from the initial baptism, and then those are not possible to us. See, it says that, that uh, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked upon him and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. They were all praying, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 4, and went out and preached the word of God boldly. See, there's people that talk in tongues that don't live a life full of the Holy Ghost. See, they've entered in. They have the possibility of living that life. They've walked through the door. They've been given the evidence that the Spirit of God has touched their lives. But that is something. The Bible says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so, yes, I believe that there are uh, continual fillings that can happen. And there's a, the degrees of, of influence. See, and this is the thing we have to understand. See, the Holy Spirit is a person. Okay? He's not a gas. All right? <laughs> and so we say, that's why we have to say that uh, you, when you get saved, you have the Holy Spirit. You can't, well, you've got part of him. Well, how can you have part of a person? How can you have, be half pregnant? You, you have the Holy Spirit, but it's the degree of influence that we're talking about. It's the same when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, do you lose some of the Holy Spirit? No, but there is a decreasing of influence. Of he, he's grieved by sin. He's grieved by carnality. And his, and his influence is 
uh, is checked. Brother Dale? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good. Excellent illustration. Brother? In the assembly, you mean? <laughs> yeah, I believe that that's a grieve. Yeah, but uh, thank God there are folks that will do it. He just likes watching them. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, okay, let's look at then what we are really concerned about is what is the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost? See, we don't establish that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is second, uh, second experience from salvation than, uh, than this particular uh, you know, question here is totally irrelevant. But we have established that it is a second experience to salvation. And so then what is the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost? See, we're not going into all the ramification of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what it gives us boldness and power and joy and all those things. Uh, those are all true. And if we were doing a study just totally on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we would discuss those. But basically, we're trying to limit ourselves to the doctrine of tongues and only dealing with the baptism itself as it relates uh, in this particular uh, section. Okay, now, first of all, we need to see, can you all see those? If I do it any further up, it'll all fall off. Okay, we have, I guess I can point from here. We have one, two, three, four, five, Times in the Bible where an initial baptism in the Holy Spirit is alluded to. Okay, I use the word alluded to. Now, we'll look at every single one, and you look at them very, very carefully. And uh, we will uh, go then from there. Acts chapter 2-4, these men that I gave, Ron. Okay, Acts chapter 8, verse 15. Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, read the... Read. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Okay, add 16 and 17 on that. And they laid their hands on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Okay, uh, Acts chapter 10, verses 44 and following. Uh, do, the rest of the... <laughs> Okay, thank you. Uh, Acts chapter 19, verse 6. Not verse 7. I don't know why I have 7 up there. Okay, so we are now Bible students and we are going to try and find out what the Bible says as the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we look at all of these that are situations where the baptism of the Holy Spirit is alluded to. And we want to, we're concerned to find evidence. 
What is the evidence? Now, in Acts chapter 8, verse, uh, verse 15, we have a problem. And that is that no evidence is recorded. It doesn't say anything. It doesn't say, well, uh, uh, they got baptized in the Holy Ghost and just began to love everybody. It doesn't say they were baptized in the Holy Ghost and uh, halos appeared over their head. It doesn't say anything at all. In Acts chapter 9, verse 17, the baptism, his baptism of the Holy Ghost isn't even recorded. It isn't even stated. Ananias said, I've come that you can get healed and that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. But he gets healed, but we never hear about him being filled with the Holy Spirit. They could have gotten, they said they went and ate. He could have ate something over lunch. He could have explained to them what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was. Then he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. But in this text, we cannot use this text to talk about evidence because his baptism in the Holy Spirit isn't even mentioned. Does it, do you all see that? Okay, so we're, we, we cannot use these to tell us about evidence because either there's no evidence recorded or the situation itself is not recorded. Now, by the way, did, did Paul speak in tongues? Okay, how do we know that? Somebody. 1 Corinthians 14. I speak with tongues more than ye all. So he spoke in tongues and we, uh, you know, whenever, whenever he did get baptized in the Holy Ghost, we know that he spoke in tongues. So we're dealing with three scriptures, okay, that tell us about a baptism of the Holy Spirit that give us evidence. What is the evidence, uh, what is the uh, supernatural manifestations uh, that are taking place uh, in Acts chapter 2? Someone. Hand. What are the supernatural manifestations? Okay, speak in tongues. What else? Fire and... Wind. Okay. Now, in the... Uh, so, we've got wind, we've got fire, and we've got tongues. Now, how many people spoke in tongues? All. Okay. A-L-L. And they all spake with other tongues. Doesn't say, well, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and some spoke in tongues and some began to do governments and some began to help each other and some began to uh, prophesy. And, uh, it doesn't say, they all spoke in tongues. Every single person that was assembled there, all 120 began to speak with other tongues. Okay, now in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, what was the supernatural manifestation there? Speaking in tongues, okay. And uh, let's just look at it very quickly. And it says, uh, And uh, fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, uh, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Uh, then answered Peter. Okay, and so... Who spoke in tongues? All of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they, the demonstrative pronoun relates back to the antecedent, right? <laughs> all. And all they. So that, that pronoun, which is an, it, it relates back to the the all. And so we don't have some speaking in tongues, some doing something else, some just with a big grin on their face because they have the Holy Spirit. We have every one of them speaking in tongues. That's what the Word of God says. Acts chapter 19, the supernatural evidence is twofold. It is what? Someone, uh, sister? They spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Okay, again, it says they. It doesn't say, well, some spoke in tongues and some prophesied. Or a few spoke in tongues and others prophesied. It says they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And uh, I guess verse 7, I guess, says, and all them and all the men that were there were about 12. Okay, so every single one of them spoke in tongues. Now, we have 
we have fire, we've got wind, we've got tongues, we've got prophesying. What is the one evidence that is universal in every single one of these? Tongues. All right. So, we have to deal with the fact that every single person, every single person, all right, this is critical, that is filled with the Holy Spirit where evidence is recorded speaks in tongues. Is that right? Every single one. See, Acts chapter 8 is irrelevant. You can't say, well, you know, in Acts chapter 8 they didn't speak in tongues. It doesn't say that. It doesn't give any evidence at all. That's irrelevant to the question. It doesn't say that Paul spoke in tongues when he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. How do you know that? It doesn't even record that he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. But when it does record the baptism in the Holy Spirit, every single person, not some, not a few, not just the apostles, every single person spoke with tongues. That is the pattern that is set down in the Bible. That's the pattern that the Word of God declares to us. All they would have had to say was uh, just some spoke with tongues and we would never declare that you have to speak in tongues if you are, if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. That if you, are, if you do not speak in tongues that you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We couldn't say that if, they had, if one person was filled with the Holy Ghost and did not speak in tongues, had some other different manifestation. But the fact is, the pattern of the Word of God is every single one. All, all, all. And so when you say, well, I mean, do, do you need to be uh, speaking tongues when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes, you do. Well, I was filled with the Holy Spirit for years, and I never spoke with tongues. I always wonder how they know that. Because I don't care what you think your personal experience is, you cannot use personal experience to interpret your Bible for you. The Bible says every single one, and Acts chapter 8 is irrelevant to this question. Acts chapter 9 has no bearing on this question. The only ones that have bearing are those three, and in each of those, not just some, but everybody spoke in tongues. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. Okay, we're running very, very quickly out of time, uh, and we may have to do a little bit of this next week. Maybe, let me just... Okay, uh, is there any other evidence? We, began to, we talked about that. Okay, what are tongues for? Let me just uh, uh, go through this. In Acts chapter 2, 11, uh, they spoke with tongues and magnified God. Acts chapter 10, 46, they spoke with tongues and magnified God. That what is happening is that this tongues that is coming is being used in praise. In 1 Corinthians 14, 14, you'll also read about how he prayed in an unknown tongue. So the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit, the tongues that are given when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit is for prayer and praise. Okay? Um, we, we maybe look over this later. Okay. Is tongues for preaching? This is what you'll hear. The, many people, well, they were given tongues uh, in order so that they could preach the gospel in other languages in other nations. Now that is what you call eisegesis reading into a text something that is not there. There's no scriptural evidence of anybody ever preaching in an unknown tongue. Never. Not in uh, all the Bible. Does anybody preach in an unknown tongue? That is not what it was given for. Okay, we have uh, Acts chapter 2, 12 and 13. They heard the people speaking in tongues. What was their response? They mocked, they doubted, they ridiculed, they were confused, they didn't understand, and nobody got saved. But when Peter spoke and began to preach in his own language, then 3,000 people got saved. No preaching ever done. If, you, if somebody says that to you, say, well, that, that, those tongues were given to preach in other nations or whatever, then show, where does that happen? Paul went to other nations and in other, that spoke other languages and he never preached in tongues. That is never, ever recorded. That's a total interpretation that, is, that comes from prejudice, not from the revelation of Scripture. Okay, what about 1 Corinthians 12, 10, and 30? And we just need to look at this very quickly because we're really going to deal with it next week. 
10 and 30 means it says, and some speak with tongues. And in verse 30, it says, now do all speak with tongues. And the evidence, uh, what the scripture is saying is that in this verse, not everyone speaks in tongues. That is what that verse is saying. Now, what's the difference? In chapter, in Acts, we have tongues that are the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit that are used for prayer and praise. Everybody speaks in tongues. They all do it at the same time. And there is no interpretation. Okay? That is the, the gift of tongues that is given for the, as the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody does it all at the same time and nobody interprets. We read all those passages and you know that that's all true. But in 1 Corinthians, you have a ministry gift. This is not just the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the a gift to minister to the assembly. And in that, then only some have that particular gift. And they can only do it one at a time, not all at the same time. And someone must interpret. Okay? So our, the confusion comes if we say, well, those are both the same thing. Well, if those are both the same thing, then, then all through the book of Acts, they were disobeying God. And God was disobeying God because he was making them all speak with tongues all at the same time. It was, it was horrible. He had to repent afterwards. Okay, but what we have is two types of tongues. The tongues that is given as an evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost for prayer and praise for everybody. And then there's that that is given to certain individuals in the body for this. Okay, must tongues be human languages? Acts chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Obviously, the tongues that are being spoken are human languages. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, okay? Heavenly language. You don't have to listen to your tongues on a tape recorder and try and figure out if that's Swahili or something. It, it may not be. Don't get upset if you don't think, if your tongue doesn't sound like it's a language that's spoken somewhere. You can't see the verbs and adjectives and all the rest. You may just have a heavenly language. Both are possible. Do I have to speak in tongues? You get to speak in tongues. Glory to God. It's not something that is, you have to do in the sense of, of it's uh, something you begrudgingly do. But it is the evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost and you get to. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They, that is those that believe, shall speak with new tongues. Okay? First. Uh, Corinthians 14, 5. I would that ye all spake with tongues. That's also a present tense in Greek, which is a continuous tense. I would that ye all continue to speak in tongues. All. Okay. We have to dismiss. We'll start church momentarily. I need some help breaking this down if you could help us.